When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Everything is Black and White podcast brought to you by Chronicle Live, bringing you the latest insight on everything to do with Newcastle United. You can find us on iTunes, Acast, Spotify or most podcast providers. Hello and welcome to Everything Is Black and White Podcast. It's time for our weekend preview. It's Newcastle United versus Manchester United on Sunday at St James's Park. I'm joined here today by John Cross of The Mirror, who had the unfortunate um, task of watching both Newcastle um, and Manchester United um, this week. Two games um, that weren't uh, superb for either side. Um, We'll start with Newcastle at Leicester, John. Um, how would you describe what happened? Oh well, a sorry capitulation, really. Um, it, it was just, it was a weird game because I saw Newcastle early in the season at Spurs, and obviously that was a heroic result. But he kind of felt that Newcastle's approach was almost going to be very similar to that in that basically sit back, soak a bit of pressure, um, and actually they did have a you know a half decent a half chance really that I was at home put through. Um, you, you know, and someone couldn't, couldn't quite get on the end of it, and um, and, and then basically it would have probably been a different game had that gone in at nil nil. Once Leicester score, you think that blimey, you know, they're, they're going to go on and be rampant. But the fact is that actually it, it wasn't really the, the game didn't change completely until Isaac Hayden got sent off just before half time, and then once that happens, it's it's ten men. And I, I, I did think that the sort of the second half collapse was, was particularly alarming. And obviously, I, you know, saw Steve Bruce afterwards in the press conference. You realised how angry, upset, call it what you will, he was. And uh, you know, you'd expect them to be uh, the squad to, to get some sort of reaction um, in their next game because I mean that was that was a devastating performance, a really unforgivable performance and uh, something that you, you you know you cannot let happen again if that happens again then I, I, you know you begin to ask questions at the manager and that's why I think that you will get a reaction in training you will get a reaction in the next match it just depends on how strong that reaction is as whether it's, it's sort of strong enough to engineer a result and a sort of a bounce back result from that from that 
you know, ridiculously bad performance. It's one of the worst performances, you know, I've, I've ever been witness to in sort of 45 minutes. It was just dreadful, shocking. You spoke to Sean Longstaff after the game as well, and usually, you know, he's so mild-mannered, he's very polite, and I think he apologised, actually, for swearing, but it was it was quite the reaction from, from Sean Longstaff, who arguably, I mean, I don't think many players came out of that game worthy of praise, and, and Sean didn't have the best of games, but he's probably the best of a, of a bad bunch. Were you, were you shocked at his reaction? Well, uh, also, it's, it's worth pointing out that he was very close to tears um, as well. Really, he's, he's incredibly emotional about it, and I think it was it was, you know, listen. It's, I think it's quite refreshing in the way that basically someone was so emotionally tied up with and so moved um, by that performance because you know it, it, he and indeed Andy Carroll as well actually kept on referring to the fans. Um, how they how they let the fans down. I think there's sort of appreciation of that because I mean the other thing that struck strikes you really is well when Wilfred and Deedy puts the goal in for five nil in, in the 90th minute, you know the, the away end is still packed when most other clubs would, would have sort of abandoned their seats and just gone home. You know then he got the travelling fans still singing their hearts out, still supporting the team, still supporting the club. Um, and they're right behind, you know, the, the team even at five minutes, the fifth goes in. I mean, it's just, when, when you put it like that, I just think that the player, if that cannot move a player, then, then something is seriously badly wrong. And I think Shulman's staff, you know, has a greater appreciation than, than most about what Newcastle fans sort of kind of, you know, what it means to them and, and, and what really they sort of go through, really. So... Yeah, I, I, you know, I did admire. Listen, I think he's a good player, Sean staff. But I do think that, you know, right now I know continually the big link, link with, you know, sort of uh, big moves and sort of moves away at the moment. But I'm sure that his priority will be to stay at Newcastle, improve, and then hopefully get the team to improve as well. Because, you know, it's difficult, isn't it, to kind of make any impression when, when you know a team is playing that badly. And the fact actually that. You know, still catching people's eye uh, in amongst that sort of that sort of chaos is sort of, I guess, the tribute to his talent. You mentioned Andy Carroll; they called the performance a disgrace. Jamal Lascelles, you know, said it was it was terrible from the boys. We've had Fabian Share a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, sorry, against Brighton. Yeah, essentially, he said it was a it was a it was a shit game. Um, and then you've got Steve Bruce talking about surrendering the white flag. Seven games in, is that sort of language? Worrying, do you think? I mean, and it was always going to be a unique kind of honeymoon period. It's obviously not honeymoon period, but it's going to be. It was always going to be a unique first kind of few months, given who Bruce replaced. Um, but seven games in, should that language be being used? Well, I don't, yeah, it's a worry, isn't it? I mean, I have to say, it, right here and now, I did think at the start of the season that Newcastle would be a choice for, for relegation. You know, in here and now, I can't. I've got to be honest, I can't see another team that's a more obvious choice, including Watford, um, than the Newcastle, to go down. Um, and that is a desperate indictment, I think, on, on, on where we're at, really. Look, I, I actually quite like Steve Bruce. Um, you know, I, I'm sure it goes for a lot of, you know, it's just sort of pretty, even probably still Newcastle fans. Because, you know, he's always wanted this job. But, was he wrong to take it? Is it you know? Was it a mistake to take it? Well, I have to say, his, his, his heart has ruled his head on that one, and I think, I think he's 
you know, been sort of suckered into it. And frankly, I just don't think right now he's got the tools at his disposal to kind of get Newcastle out of the drop zone any time soon. It's going to take one hell of a turnaround, it really is. And I worry for Newcastle because I think they're a great addition to, to the Premier League. And, you know, I don't say that lightly or glibly. I, I just feel that, it's, you know, it's always such an experience to go to St James's. It's always such an experience to see them on the road with the away fans. They bring something to the party. And at the moment, the club is letting those fans down. I think also, you have to be honest and sort of say, also the club, is, is, is it giving Steve Bruce the manager enough support to kind of, you know, enable him to produce a team which can get results? And I, I, I tried to point this out in sort of England Nurture report the other day that, I'm not sure that Steve Bruce is the manager that can turn this around. I, I, I really, really worried for, for them. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's noticeable, isn't it, that basically, you know, Charles is a good player, but Jabraka is, I think, struggling form wise. Um, because that, you know, the performance I thought on Sunday was, was somewhere different from, from where, you know, his, his top level is. I just don't think he's at that at the moment. Um, and I think they were taken apart too easily. The base of the midfield has always been sort of a strong point with, with Longstaff and, and indeed with Isaac Hayden. I think Isaac Hayden maybe his frustration overtook him, you know, because I think he's a good character, a good, good guy um, with that network, with that tackle um, that got him the red card. And then sort of kind of moving forward, you, you, you know, yeah. that, that, that's the bigger issue at the moment, really. Have you got enough, really, sort of kind of moving forward to kind of get goals, to create chances? And those are, those are the things that really worry me at the moment for, for Newcastle. It's difficult to see them getting out of it now. Obviously, Manchester United are the visitors on Sunday. They've had their worst start to a season in 30 years. You know, um, Obviously, Ole Gunnar is building something there, but it, it, it's, it's not gone off maybe as quick as people would have liked. Um, is it a game Newcastle can win? Well, it depends on the reaction. I've got to be honest, I think it's a difficult call this week in that basically Man United have Arsenal on um, uh, the Monday night. They have the Europa League trip on the, on the Thursday. And then all of a sudden they've got to go to Newcastle and face a team that should be you know, up for it, that should be shell-shocked, um, that should be you know, trying to get some sort of reaction. And that's the biggest threat to, to Man United. I mean... You know, the worst start for 30 years is, you know, you can paint and make statistics work for you whichever way you want. Because I have to say, I also did the the Man United Leicester game. And Leicester, I think, they're a thrashing team and playing brilliant stuff. And Man United almost bullied and ground out and result against, uh, against Leicester. And this was only, what, you know, two, three weeks ago. So I think to dismiss United easily the wrong thing to do. They're a dangerous team. They're missing players. I think Rashford felt like to me he was playing almost on one leg. Didn't seem to me that Pogba was anywhere near fully fit. Um, you, you know, they're missing fullbacks at the moment. You know, Shaw and Mabasaka, their first choice out. So reasons there. Um, you know, I thought McTominay was the best player on the pitch overnight. The, the, the reasons behind sort of Man United, I think, and, and perhaps why they're stuttering at the moment. But what they do present, and particularly in amongst this sort of kind of heavy fixture list and workload, is the opportunity that basically for Newcastle, they might be facing a team 
is slightly jaded, missing players, um, struggling a little bit for form and confidence, although they can get you know decent results. And I think that's where the opportunity lies for Newcastle right now. Because I don't think Newcastle, uh, sorry, I don't think United are playing with any great spark. Um, I thought the first half an hour against Arsenal was some of the worst football with Palace spectacle you could ever wish to see. So it's not as if they're playing with you know any any particular confidence. So I do think it almost feels like a bit of a, a battle of the crisis cuts. But the reality, I have to say, is that Man United are not in that category as far as I'm concerned just yet. So is it a case that you know Man United haven't picked up the points that they have in previous seasons, but they they have performed all right? They've been looking a bit better than maybe the table suggests. Whereas Newcastle, other than the Spurs game and maybe you know, the first fifteen minutes against against Liverpool, perhaps they just don't look like they can pick up points. They haven't performed well at all, and and that's the difference coming into Sunday. Yeah, I think that was that was you know it's a good point really. I think that Newcastle were just not creating chances and, and scoring goals, whereas I think United would look back on certain games and kick themselves for not getting three points. And you know, I'm thinking maybe Wolves away, something like that really. And you know, and um, uh, I mean the other night even against Arsenal, once United go ahead at Old Trafford, you expect them to go and win the game. And I think they really, you know, McTominay even himself had a chance to sort of score a winner with a header. And so I do think that sort of kind of United perhaps not getting the rub of the green at the moment. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it, it, it's that more than not playing, you know, particularly well. I don't think they're playing at their best, don't get me wrong. But equally, I don't think they're, you know, in, in disaster mode yet. And I think that basically it will be it will be a tough test for, for Newcastle. As I keep on sort of saying, it's how they respond. It's what they want to do for the pride of the shirt. It's what they want to do for the fans. And it's indeed also what Steve Bruce can get out of the players. This is a massive game, I think, for Steve Bruce. Because this is Steve Bruce basically sort of kind of trying to show everyone that he can get a response in action from players. If he can't, and his team, I don't think, sort of kind of, you know, produce a much improve better performance, then you have to ask serious questions about Steve Bruce. And I think that's why I think Steve Bruce will acknowledge the importance of this particular fixture. You mentioned there the response. DeAndre Yedlin spoke after the Leicester game and he said, you know, we've got to bounce back from this and we have to bounce back from the Brighton game. Now, Leicester was meant to be the bounce back from the Brighton game and we're talking <laughs> bouncing back from that game, which was two weeks ago. I mean, so far... We haven't seen much of a response um, from the Brighton game. So, uh, have you seen anything um, which suggests that you know they could get a response this week? Well, no, not really. I, I've got to be honest. I, I, I just think that it's down then to the manager to sort of somehow engineer whether he does that by kind of you know by sort of uh, psychology, but sort of kind of trying to whip up the players to sort of you know. Drum it home to them to kind of, you know, produce something better to, to take a look at themselves in the mirror. Um, as indeed Jamal Lassell sort of kind of kept them referring to us, like that's the game. But you, you're right in what you say, Ben. We've had this before, and I think that basically, in fairness to Newcastle, they did, you know, produce, didn't they, against Tottenham? So that was a performance of resilience and strength. And um, they got that result, I think, on the back of that defeat, at, um, which was a sorry defeat at Norwich. So I think, 
you know, Steve Bruce has got to be looking for that again. And he's got to get big performances out of key characters um, and get those sort of guys to sort of step up to the plate. Um, I have to say at the moment, Newcastle don't feel with a great deal of confidence that you are going to get, you know, a, a performance strong enough to get a result. I don't think that's necessarily about the kind of response, but if you literally haven't got the players behind you, if you haven't got these sort of kind of the players, you know, of a quality to get big results against, you know, one of the Premier League's biggest teams, Man United, then, then you know, I think anger and, and defiance is only going to take you so far the frame. You mentioned that the quality of Manchester United, if you were sitting down with Steve Bruce, who would be the... The one player um, of my, that man have got that you would say you need to keep this player quiet. Well, not normally I would say Marcus Rashford, but I think he's not—he's nowhere near fully fit at the moment. Um, I think you could see that against Arsenal. Um, I also think that um, at the moment uh, McTominay is really impressive. You know, he's incredibly. I mean, it's interesting McTominay because basically, with, I think Jose Mourinho brought him in. Um, uh, and then uh, you had sort of Mourinho sort of kind of taking a bit of flack because sort of McTominay allegedly up right to Man United's standard. I mean, you know, I think he's a really marauding, rampaging, strong midfielder. Um, and, and I think actually there's some kind of, you know, we've had a few of those down the years that we were wearing Man United's shirt with pride, haven't we, really? Um, you know, sort of Brian Robson sort of springs to mind and, you know, sort of players of, of, of that ilk and that quality. Um, you know, Paul Ince or whoever it might be, and I just think that the sort of, you know, McTominay's not at that level yet, but I do think he sort of kind of, you know, he, he, he's really improving and he's certainly sort of kind of uh, kicking on, um, you, you know, making his presence felt. Um, and in recent games, I, you know, I thought against Leicester was outstanding. Thought against Arsenal was the best player on the pitch, and I think if someone needs to set the tone. And I think that Tomine is, is kind of that character that can step forward and kind of really make his presence felt. So I think almost he's the one to watch, really. And in, in amongst the big stars of Obie Rashford or, or kind of, of Pogba, um, you know, or others sort of besides, then I think he, he's really sort of a top quality player. Daniel James is playing really well as well. I mean, I'll tell you what, you know, for a player that's come in, sort of, you know, still almost finding his feet as Swansea. To, to be sort of thrust into the limelight at Man United and embrace it in the way that he has. Cortland, he's going to be a special player in the future, I think, as well. He does look an excellent player. Um, just a couple more questions about Manchester United. From what you've seen, what is their biggest weakness that Newcastle need to exploit? And, and do you think Newcastle can exploit it? Well, I would say um, uh, the full-back areas a little bit... Um, uh, when you're missing Wambasaka and and indeed Luke Shaw, who I would su- suggest are sort of both their first choice fullbacks, I do think they're sort of actually young. I, I admire actually young actually. I think he's sort of kind of he's obviously you know the club captain and sort of kind of fills in where necessary. Um, but I do think that you know he's a position that is not his his strongest point. Never has been. The other night he sort of played on the right. Um, and, uh, and equally to Vardy, I think they basically filled in on the left. So it feels like United are trying to sort of kind of make up match, you know, and sort of kind of make do at the moment um, in the, in the full-back areas. And I, I think that's a particular area of the way you could perhaps get to them. And 
uh, we mentioned there Newcastle looking for a response. Obviously, is it a case that Manchester United are looking for a response or they're just looking for their season to kick on and, and kind of start? Yeah, I... I think United. I think the, their 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 target has to be this season to have a good run in the Europa League, um, maybe a domestic trophy, um, and the top four. I'm not saying that you can achieve all three, but if they can achieve one of those, I still think that one of those top four places will be open. And I think whether sort of United can kind of you know kick on and sort of grasp that remains to be seen. I think the gaps in the United squad. Lack of depth up front. Um, I also think they basically will probably need another sort of holding midfield player um, that can bring something to the team offensively. But slowly but surely they are improving. But I think that basically their target really has to be to get in some sort of form and rhythm because at the moment it's too inconsistent, it's too unpredictable. You know, they were poor when they were against West Ham and you know, they're horribly, horribly exposed and you kept on expecting the cavalry to arrive once they've gone behind and it never did. And I think they're basically, at the moment, they're not playing with any sort of kind of fluency or, or pattern, really. And I think that would, that would worry me, really. But I think if United can find any sort of run results, then I think that, I think they'll sort of kind of kick on. And would you finally make any changes then of USD Bruce for, New, for Newcastle on Sunday? He did see after the game there's four or five knocking on his door. Um, can you envisage him making that many changes? No, I, I think that that was a classic kind of um, piece of mind games, really, to try and get them to sort of re- respond and get some sort of reaction. We obviously have to make one for sure in midfield with, with Isaac Hayden, and um, it'll be interesting to see what he, what, he, what he does with that. Um, at the moment, it's difficult, I think, to to kind of envisage making you know that many changes simply because I I, I would have to say that basically, if you pick apart and sort of maybe players missing and then also on the bench, you haven't really got that much quality in reserve, and that's the issue for me. You know, I think that basically, if you look at the, 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 that back four, you'd have to say that Sean Lascelles is. You know, perhaps the sort of the first choice centre half pairing. So could he then change it? You know, and sort of kind of you know change formation, change systems. Maybe that's something that he could look at. You know, to try and shore up a bit. You know, and sort of kind of I don't know whether he'd want to sort of kind of play a, a back five or back three at home. But they're kind of that that's something to sort of maybe think about. But I just think at the moment he, he's got to find some sort of solution. I don't think that really in reality. He's kind of got that um, sort of, you know, too many options really to sort of change it. He has changed the, you know, the defensively sort of kind of, you know, the system, um, uh, to, you know, through the season. So maybe that's something that he could look at rather than wholesale personnel, you know, personnel changes. Simply because I don't know that he's got that that sort of kind of depth and, and, and quality in reserve, but he certainly needs. I think to inject something into the field, otherwise there is a danger that are going around. And just finally, then, who are you tipping for victory on Sunday? Um, or, or will it be a draw? <laughs> it could, could be a draw, and it's easy to sit on the fence. But I think that maybe um, uh, I do think you'll see some sort of Newcastle reaction. I find it impossible to believe that they won't be. Um, 
So, so maybe bearing in mind sort of kind of that reaction, maybe like get you know sort of fixtures and schedule one one. Fantastic. Well, John, I do appreciate you uh, joining us on the Everything Is Black and White podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode so far. Just a quick reminder to please subscribe and review to our podcast through iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast provider you listen through. How are you doing there? It is David from the David McWilliams podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. We're all following the government's advice right now. We're staying in. It's a little bit cocooning, but it's all working. So while you're staying at home, here's a recommendation of another great podcast. It's the Blind Boy podcast. He's an old mate. He's a great skin. He has extraordinarily interesting views of the world. Check it out. I'm now joined by our chief sports writer, Lee Ryder. Lee, I think we've probably said a couple of times already this season that we don't think it can get much worse. Um, <laughs> so I'm not going to say it again because it just might. The other thing is, is that we looked at Watford and we looked at Brighton coming to St. James Park. They both had various kind of bad, uh, records of form. You know, I think Brighton hadn't won away games since February and I think Watford hadn't kept a clean sheet from, you know, wherever. And yet, Newcastle were already lucky to come out of both of them games at a point. Now, we've got my United, their worst start to a season in 30 years. Um, the project isn't quite going to plan for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Didn't perform well, well against Arsenal, obviously beaten by West Ham a couple of weeks ago and all that. You know, it, it looks like a game that Newcastle should have a chance in. But, you know, we did, like I said, we did see that they should be beating Brighton and what and it didn't turn out that way. Yeah, I think you look at this one. I mean, I, I did put this to a friend this morning uh, about going in this Man United game and go, well, they're playing on the Monday night, they're playing in Europe, the plastic pitch they're playing on in Altmar. All these things should play in Newcastle's hands. But someone said, come on, it's like, it's never as easy as that. You know, Man United have played in Europe before and they've come here and still, you know, won comfortably. So, difficult game. Um, but you, you like to think that at least this week Newcastle have had the focus now um, from Tuesday going through to Sunday. Um, a lot has been said in the last few days. A lot was said at less than the tunnel. A lot was said in the dressing room. It's an emotional football club, Newcastle, and whoever's in charge has to manage that emotion the best they can. Um, Rafa Benitez managed to do that is by almost taking the, the sting out of it um, and not getting angry. Steve Bruce has gone the other way and almost read the right act a bit. Steve McLaren tried that when it was too late. John Carver certainly tried it a few times. Alan Pardew tried it a few times. Um, putting fire on top of fire doesn't seem to always work. So yeah, you just have to sit back on Sunday, take a few deep breaths and see how it's going to unfold. Now, you would expect a response from Newcastle after the result against Leicester. I did chuckle, and we mentioned this to, to John earlier, that DeAndre Yedlin said, you know, we've got to bounce back from Leicester and we have to back, bounce back from Brighton. Newcastle lose against Manchester United on Sunday. Are we going to say in a couple of weeks after the national break returns against Chelsea, we have to bounce back from Brighton, Leicester and Man- Manchester United? I mean, where's this response coming from? Because I, I'm struggling to understand how... You know, like two weeks after or a week after the Brighton game, we're, we're saying, well, actually, you know, we've got to 
still bounce back from that. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I don't want to keep mentioning Rafa Benitez, but just something you've said there has, has triggered something. And I remember going back, I think it was the first season back in the Premier League um, with Rafa and Newcastle had, had lost a couple of games. And I think I'd, I'd wrote a piece saying... Newcastle can't afford to, to lose a third game or a fourth game. And he said, he said, well, he said, you're saying that. He said, but we are quite capable. He said, why, why, why shouldn't we lose three? Why, why can't we lose four? Why can't we lose five? And I, and I was, I kind of said, I'm not quite sure where you come from. He said, because we haven't spent the money, because we haven't done the things that I asked, this is the reason why we are capable of going on a spiral and downwards, uh, run a form and, could be for the same for Steve Bruce. So, again, they, they're capable of losing to Man United. They're capable of losing to Chelsea. They're capable of losing to Wolves when, when they come up here. So, it is worrying and the players have got to dig deep and find that performance. And they're going to have to be 100% on the A game and hope Man United are feeling the effects of what is going to be a long week for them. Um, but it's it's same problems at Newcastle. It's just, you know, different cast of characters. Let's talk about Monday then. Reporter Steve Bruce told players to stay away. He couldn't trust himself not to explode. I'm not sure we would have seen that under Benitez. He would have been a man to drag them in and, and make sure that they understand what went wrong. Not that, of course, no yeah. anyone would need to tell him what went wrong on Sunday. But right uh, approach for you is that? What, do you think Steve Bruce has done the right thing there by saying stay away today? Yes and no. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm sitting on the fence, but. If he was going to explode again at the training ground, then there is negative side effects to that. Um, Maybe in terms of how his personality is set up, he felt that he needed that day to get everything in in place, what he was going to say, and consult with his coach and staff. Um, But by the same token, he could have quite easily made them still come at training on Monday. He just... You know, the... The head coach doesn't always have to take the session, so he could have easily had them doing laps. He could have had them back in on Monday and you know punishing them in, in that way for poor performance. Um, but he gave them a day off. I think what I will say is that Steve Bruce has been he's been quite fair with some of the players um, about contracts, and he's been very open since he got here. And I, I think his patience was it snapped on Sunday a little bit. I think there's a, there's a couple of little things behind the scenes that are, that have gone on uh, where he's give certain characters the benefit of the doubt I think that patience is starting to run out now and it's alright giving players a bit cutting them a bit of slack but when they go out and they do that on, on Sunday that's when I think that's that's when he flipped he felt really let down by the, the players and, and you can't blame him you would suspect that some of those players who he felt let down by will be replaced on Sunday then you actually look at the options he's got. Obviously, Hayden's now ruled out. Shelby's likely to be missing through injury. Matt Ritchie's 50-50. Um, he hasn't really got that many options to make wholesale changes. But is it is that something that if everyone was fully fit, you would you would like to see or you think should happen to try and change the course of the season? Um, and you know, obviously, so he hasn't got those options. So what you what do you suspect will happen in terms of the team sheet on Sunday? I think there'll be changes whether we'll see four or five I mean that 
that would be radical to do that. Rafa Benitez has done it. We've mentioned him again there, haven't we? But he he done it a few times. He made six or seven changes when things weren't going right. He'd done radical things in terms of changing the goalkeeper. Um, is Steve Bruce tempted to do that? Um, if you look at Dubravka's performance in isolation, um, regardless of the, the times he saved Newcastle, which is, you know, there's many occasions where he's been the best player by a mile. But on Sunday, it was questionable. Some of the goals, um, he was out of position. He didn't deal, particularly the what was probably the killer goal, really. Normally a killer goal is like 3-0, isn't it? But at 2-0 with 10 minutes, it seemed to be that way. Um, and I don't think he dealt that well with, with Vardy's shot. So it's a big call if he changes the goalkeeper, but I, I certainly wouldn't rule it out. Just sticking there with Darlow, under Benitez, he was praised as, you know, being this communicator. You could hear him shouting, bear in mind how loud the stadium actually was. The crowd were under Benitez and a lot louder than they are this time around. That, that's quite something. You could hear him, though, directing the players. You could hear him talking. That seems to have changed a little bit this season, and you didn't really see that on Sunday again. Lascelles mentioned it. We were talking about it earlier this week about noticing that the shape was going and noticing that they didn't, you know, they didn't respond to going a goal behind or two goals behind. So what's changed? Why isn't Dubravka being that leader and that authority figure that gained him so much praise last year? Well, then the day, it's every everyone's got limitations in terms of the output they can give. And, you, you know, even the very, very best players in the world, the very best goalkeepers, have got a wobble in them, you know? Um, Dubravka's no different. The quality for a manager is is when to take that that person out the firing line and make sure that the confidence isn't completely uh, shattered because of it, and that's that's what can happen. Um, I mean, there's 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 many famous examples of it down the years at Newcastle. I mean, Kevin Keegan often pulling Pavel Cernicek, you know, out of the team and putting Shaka Hislop in, and vice versa. You know when. When Shaka had a bad game, he changed it back round. Um, and then Shea Given uh, got dropped a couple of times by Bobby Robson. Steve Harper come in famously against Juventus, uh, kept a clean sheet against all those superstars. And then I think Given came straight back in the next game. So it's it's just finding that right balance of, of when to do it. I mean, Darlow should be a player who is... He's desperate for a chance. He's only played one one first team game in a year. Um, he's coming towards the end of his contract. He knows whatever happens next season has got to be big for him because he's he's getting to that age now where he needs to be playing regular football. Um, I personally don't think he's a bad goalkeeper at all, Carl Darlow. I think he's he's more than capable. Uh, and he's you know in the championship season, uh, he was fantastic. Those six months run he had in the team again, Rafa Benitez dropped dropped him towards the end of that and brought Rob Elliott in when they needed to push on and win a title. So there's another example. So it's it's picking that right moment. And if he feels he can get a, a really um, psyched up performance out of Darlow for the 90 minutes against Man United, then who knows, maybe, maybe he goes for that. To go on the defence then, do you think uh, he'll have it back to three at the back with the two, two wing-backs? I mean, essentially, kind of was uh, a wing-back scenario on Sunday without how far Miron was back up the pitch. But to start with on Sunday, do you foresee three centre-backs, two wing-backs? I think he may go back, 
back to that he said go back to basics so basics for this team seems to be playing that five at the back the four didn't really work um i mean hard to judge it really with 10 men um but i think they've got to go back to a system that they all understand what the role is in the team um on sunday i mean i comment on it I, they didn't seem to understand what the game plan was mm. towards the end. But that doesn't mean to say that each player doesn't know the role. That's like to, that's something completely different um, because every player knows the role. But when you go into a game like that and things have been tweaked, suddenly you're down to 10 men, they were running around some of them and they didn't seem to know what was going on. They got, Newcastle lost themselves on on Sunday at Leicester. Um but we'll we'll see. Sometimes, sometimes you have to lose yourself to find yourself, yeah. and um, whatever that means. But <laughs> I think we get you know you know where I'm coming from. Yeah, I think definitely. Um, Yedlin in for Kraft is that something you would see? Yedlin for Kraft would you know you you've got to look at it and think Yedlin's fit now. It's been a it's been a tough start for Kraft. I think he's. I think Kraft is going to be a capable signing for Newcastle once he's settled down, got in the area. I mean, he's had a baptism of fire, hasn't he? Um, it's been tough for him. I think he's still settling down with his personal circumstances as well, getting used to the city. Um, I think he's a genuine lad, um, but I think Newcastle need people who are for the Man United game, which is what you've asked us. They need people who are can sustain all the flack that is going to fly the way on, on Sunday and it is going to be it's there's going to be a, a tough atmosphere in terms of if things start going wrong you, you need people who are going to be able to step up to that Yedlin's used to it he's been here a while so maybe he will get the nod I mean usually we would stop asking about the team because there's not that many questions but actually given how bad it was on Sunday I think we can probably go through most of the team and, and, and have a few question marks over certain individuals, the three at the back, we, we probably would, we would stick with Lascelles, Cher, uh, Dummett, and then bringing Williams, who's been back in training today. Is that your take, or would you maybe even take, no. take I, one I, set back I, I, the line? I don't think anybody can be consider themselves safe this week. Even the captain, Lascelles, I don't. I don't think he can consider himself safe. He's been dropped before, and it's done him the world of good. You've got Fernandez, you know, who's who must be sitting there thinking, "What have I got to do to get in this side?" Yeah, Fernandez is the type of player he'd be he'd be one of the people on my list who I would be considering putting back in the team brings a calmness um, a, a, and a bit of authority about him um, a big competitor as well uh, doesn't take any any flack so I would be considering him um, and I would say it's not guaranteed that Lascelles would play him it might, for me if it was me picking the team but obviously I, I don't do Steve Bruce's job for him but if it was me then I would be considering potentially taking ourselves out with the firing line because I, I don't think he's been up to standard uh, in the last couple of games. Uh, Matt Richard says 50-50, but Williams has been back in training, so he's probably going to, if they do switch to the, to the wing-back scenario, probably will end up back. On the left, in the middle, we, we assume Sean Longstaff will start, but who starts next to him? I would say no Shelby, no Hayden is a key. Is it Matty Longstaff? Um, or could you even push push Cher up there and bring in Fernandez? But I mean, I think pushing Cher up there would potentially be overcomplicating things a little bit. For me, it would be it's a straight choice. 
between Key and Matty Longstaff. And I, th- I, I think that in terms of a response, you know what it's like around the press room and around the ground when, when that team sheet emerges on a match day, you get a little ripple of reaction, don't you? And I think if people saw the Longstaff brothers as Newcastle's dogs of war in the middle of the pitch ahead of the game against Man United, I think that would give um, everyone going up the game a big a big lift. People will be they'd, they'd fancy that that pairing in there. And uh, Sean Longstaff has suffered. He's suffered a bit of stick this week. Some people didn't think he did that well against. Uh, Leicester I, I personally thought he, he'd done alright I didn't think he was brilliant but I thought he, he'd done alright and yeah I gave him 6 out of 10 um, and I looked at the statistics and they you know pretty much backed up what I thought uh, having looked at the game again I think maybe one of the big reasons why people judged him so harshly was probably you know the first goal if you look at it he kind of he's when Ricardo goes forward I think Sean Longstaff's running then he sort of stops running now whether that's to do with match fitness injury whatever um, I think that didn't help his case on Sunday so having his little brother in there with them the two the two of them really do uh, they spur each other on and I think that you know going into that situation on on Sunday that, that that's what uh, Steve Bruce got away up is other other pair of them experienced enough to deal with it because if it starts going wrong suddenly they're looking around needing help um but i I think they're capable but that's the the big big decision that uh steve bruce has got to make that's steve bruce for the answer yeah um on to then like the kind of the wingers obviously are to um and you you, we might have alan to maximum but he's been in training everyone's probably seen that that training goal nice little goal questionable Defending. Um, what do we see there? Do you see Atu remaining in the side, um, or would you, you know, give him a bit of a rest, or do you see even Almiron dropping out? We will assume Joe Linton sticks up top. Um, but yeah, I mean, what what the remaining spaces? How would you see that going? I mean, Sir Maxman, brilliant to see him doing that in training. Uh, it's obviously done the rounds on on social media. For me, we now need to see. We need to see him doing a game now. Um, is he fit enough to start? Steve Bruce obviously had some question marks over it, even bringing him on at the weekend. Probably tactically, he was trying to stop the rot, um, and he didn't see that was the game fit to put him in. But it was a tough one. I mean, I've, again, I've watched the game back now a couple of times, and if you look at at it, Leicester just wouldn't let Newcastle out their own half. There was nine Leicester players had them pinned in. That, that takes time to develop that and it takes the right players and the right signings um, so it doesn't happen overnight so Sim Maxman's got to come in and come into a team and maybe try and disrupt the opposition in that way and he's obviously got the ability he's got bags of ability and he's desperate to do well for the club um, it's just a, the right time to, to throw him in there Now Miron I mean straight in character but it's, the goal's got to come sometime and it's just about finding his right position I've spoken to a few people who've covered his career extensively and it's just a frustration that the past few games he's been out on the wing right on the right hand side and that doesn't appear to be his role he does appear to be someone you're going to have to build the side around maybe to get the best out of him but I suppose if we do that ends up benefiting Joe Linton and 
Is it? But I mean, do them are, they, are those two? Is there a risk that they, those two might be on the bench? You think on Sunday? Well, for me, Amiron is the one who's got. He's the one with the pace. He's the outlet. So whether whether he's playing well in terms of delivering goals and assists is one thing. But nobody's nobody in the team is really doing that. So if you take him out, then suddenly you don't have the outlet and you don't have that person to get on the ball. And even in the first half, yeah, he didn't play brilliantly. Yes, Newcastle eventually got beat 5-0. But when they did get him on the ball in the sort of opening half an hour, which they didn't do too badly, and if you look back on the game, he was the one that, you know, he was on both wings at at one point. Um, And basically, he was the one who was keeping the pressure off. And once he's on the ball, Leicester have got to, get back and get it it was that one moment wasn't it that got the board he turned and he 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 went and that's what he likes to do but it's thought that actually being out on that wing restricts him a little bit because you're more yeah compact to a full back but like you see we did see glimpses again in a very tough game so I think it'd be really harsh to to make it all about Almiron and the reason Newcastle are where they are is because Almiron I think as I say he's got that pace he does have makes teams think um, he just needs to have players around him he needs the right combinations and you cannot just expect the Premier League is such a tough league you cannot just expect Joe Linton and Almiron to hit it off after seven games it just was never going to happen um, last season was a bit different when you had Rondon Almiron and Perez and it was it was working brilliantly for a while um, and then that that got dismantled. So let's re- let's not forget. Maybe his confidence is taking a little bit of knock. He's two mean? two big pals have been taken away from him. But the argument there with that, I and mean, we're getting a bit sidetracked here, so we'll wrap it up with this one. But the <laughs> argument there would be that Rondon's gone out, Joe Linton's come in, similar stature in many ways. Perez has gone out, and you could, and maybe this is the reason we haven't seen it happen yet. You could throw St Maximum in there, or even Muto at a stretch would probably not. But you'd rather see St Maximum in there. I mean that that could be the formation going forward. The same formation as Benitez used, just obviously replacing those two, those two players maybe. Yeah, it's, it's definitely got potential. Uh, I mean, you've got Dwight Gale as well. You can throw into the mix. Uh, hopefully, he's back, you know, sooner rather than later. If not, on the bench this weekend um, after the international break, because Newcastle they could do with it. And again, he's got experience, and having him in that dressing room, he's a big a big voice to have in there because he, he he's part of that core group of players who've been here a while and Newcastle you know need to have him around they, they need him back to his best they uh, offer something different as well he does and he's a poacher that's the other thing look what I know it was a championship last season but he got a lot of goals last year um, and he can sniff out those chances and I think if you spoke to him generally he would tell you that He's hungry to do well in the Premier League. He felt he got written off a little bit um, after getting promoted with Newcastle. He came here to play with the number nine shirt on. He's had that taken away from him. I think he'd be desperate to get out there and, and prove prove something. It's funny how it changes, isn't it? You look at him, number nine shirt goes, you're thinking he must be gone this summer. Now, the majority of people I know, I certainly am, I, I just want to see him back. And Bruce is really keen as well. He had, he's mentioned it several yeah, times. Yeah, he, he loves him. him Try so. to buy him. Hasn't seen him, I think today might have actually been the first time he's seen him kick a ball. He said last week he hadn't, he's pictured in training kicking a ball. So, like you say, hopefully sooner rather than later. 
Um, but it is a game like Newcastle, you know, they can't beat Manchester Manchester United are not doing too well. They don't look like they are clicking. Um, they did do well against Leicester. But, you know, it is a game that Newcastle should go into thinking, you know, we can't beat them. Not like the old days when, you know, Sir Alex was leading them to every title under the sun. This is a game that Newcastle, I suppose the only thing that is probably stopping them thinking that is maybe the confidence of the squad I mean how do you see it going well I mean you look at it it's it's, it's definitely not the Man United of old I mean they've still got some cable players but I think they seem to be hanging their hat a lot on the young lad James who they signed in the summer um, you know Rashford's still in and around it isn't he so it's certainly they've certainly got some competitors but they are very much beatable Newcastle Ran Arsenal relatively close. They beat Tottenham. Um, they've done all right. They've done all right against Liverpool for half an hour. So they've got to try and add all those things up and say, look, we are capable of getting a result. And you can imagine if Newcastle can somehow squeak something out of this game, what it'll be like over the international break. The two, the two contrasting um, scenarios, one... You've got two weeks where everyone's down in the dumps um, and then you've got the other one where everyone's on the ultimate high because you've just beat Man United and there is no better feeling than beating Man United at St James Park. You mentioned Rashford there. He's not in the, the, the best of form. He's scored only once from open play in the last 16 games. <laughs> I don't want to sound negative for Newcastle United Tempted fans. Fate. Do you know what I mean? The Newcastle United fans are just going to be sitting there thinking... Yeah, this is this is the game that Manchester United just click. However, Newcastle did show against Spurs when the chips are down, they can, you know, Bruce can get a response with them because of the kicking off to the Norwich game. Um, Liverpool first what fifteen minutes or so they were, they were they were decent enough. So we just need to know what Newcastle United team are going to show on Sunday, don't we? Yeah, and I think this week it's basically whether they respond to whatever. Steve Bruce has said and to be totally honest I was in the press room and Bruce's eyes were glazed after that game and he he had that that edge to him Um, and if the players were as sort of noticed that as much as the press men did then you know I think there'll hopefully be a response Um, not that people were scared to ask questions or anything like that but he was he was a man who didn't want to be in there having to explain that away. Now we'll see what he's got to say on Friday, and then you know going in that game, huge game as I say. If they can get the win, then if they can get the win against Man United, it is almost you know crisis. What crisis? It's funny because then it what takes them to a point, and you would say yeah, fair enough. It, it's not a bad return. No, but um, could be better, but yeah. it could be a lot worse. And then that risk kind of papering over the cracks but also gives them a platform to build on I'm sure we'll talk about that next week just before I ask you for your score prediction then Lee what happens if Newcastle lose on Sunday and, and lose in a similar manner that they, they did against Norwich or they did against Leicester well I'd, I think it would be pretty unbelievable if they did lose in the same manner so if they leak three three to five goals at home then then that is obviously a big, big problem that Newcastle have got to deal with. I mean, you're basically asking me, do I think Newcastle would change manager in the international break? I 
don't think they would because they paid so much compensation to get him here. Um, they may put so much effort in to get him here. I think to tear it all up now would isn't doesn't fit with anything Ashley or Lee Charnley have done recently. So I think there would be an inquest. I think he would have he would have to. I think he would certainly find himself in a room with Charnley or Ashley um, at some point over the international break, and there would be a lot of explaining to done. Also, is there anything else they can do? For, to help them so it's either a big inquest or they get the win and they have that confidence but I still th- I still think this is a longer project really that for, for Steve Bruce and he knows that he's, he's starting he's inherited a lot of players that probably aren't good enough I asked him that very question on Sunday night I said you know you've inherited players are they good enough for the club? And he, he didn't want to throw anyone, you know, under the bus. So, behind the scenes, it'd be nice to know what, what he's got to say on that. I suppose, though, this this will be the final question for you, Dixon. Having said that, that then goes back to the argument, doesn't it? Rafa Benitez, Steve Bruce, and people would say, okay, there might be, some might be average players, but Benitez got the best out of them, so why can't Steve Bruce? Is the answer to that, and no disrespect to Steve Bruce is that Rafa Benitez is just a, a better coach, or is there more to it? It's a tough question. It's it's like with anything in life, whatever walk of life, it's do you how how you gel with people and how you respond with people, um, and you might go the extra mile for for one person. You might do the minimum for for the other. You you might not want to. You might not want to help one person as much as you want to help somebody else because they've done something the other way. So, it's it's very deep, really. Um, I think Rafa invested a lot of time in players, even the ones who are out on loan. Uh, I'm not saying Steve Bruce isn't doing this because I don't know, but I know for a fact Rafa last season was sending Dwight Gale a text every week saying good goal or that sort of thing. So, hopefully. Um, Steve Bruce is doing similar man management things behind the background. I think he's. I know it's a word that probably like sparks different conversation, but like I think he is an old school manager. It's uh, certainly coming from the Ferguson Mulder. I know the the hair dryer and all that. I don't. I just don't think people can do that these days. Um, so I think he's got a got to manage in the modern way but I think he can bring a lot of old fashioned things into it as well but certainly how many of those players need an arm around them after the weekend um, and how many players need to be told a few home truths um, it would be intriguing to, to be behind the scenes at Newcastle let's put it that way Just finally then, your score prediction? Score prediction tough question um, as as score predictions always are, but I think if Newcastle are going to get, if if it is going to be a positive one for Newcastle, then I could see it being a single goal victory. There you have it. Well, head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to keep it date with all the latest Newcastle United news, including Steve Bruce's press comments on Friday and all the build up to the big game on Sunday afternoon. Thank you. 
This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.